Well, good morning, Grace Hill Church. Just so glad that you guys have joined us online. Um, of course, love, uh, I would much rather be with you uh, at Herndon Middle School, um, but I'm just glad that we have the opportunity to do this. And so I'm glad that you're here uh, with us. Uh, my name's Alan. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Hill Church. And so if you're new to our church, you're just tuning in for the first time, I would really love to meet you one day when we're all back together. Um, before we dive into this morning's sermon, I do want to uh, tell you about one cool thing that we want to do just to take advantage of the fact that we're live streaming our sermons and our services. And, and that's this. If you have any question that comes up for you uh, from the sermon or anything else really that we do in the service, um, here's what I want you to do with that question. I want you to post it on the comments in Facebook or the comments in YouTube, or if you'd like to submit that question anonymously, if you go to gracehillchurch.com, you'll see right in front, there's a little button there that says connect with us. Click that and it's going to give you a form that you can fill out where you can submit a question. And what we're going to do is we are going to uh, do a live Q&A time tomorrow at noon. So every Monday at noon, we're going to go live and we're going to try to answer these questions that are submitted online to us. And so uh, hopefully um, you got some questions, send them in, um, and we'd love to be able to interact with you in that particular way. So be sure to catch us online tomorrow uh, at noon here uh, on our Facebook page and also on our YouTube channel uh, to answer some of those questions. Um, but now I want to get into the Word of God with you uh, this morning. And so uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into Matthew chapter 7 together. Father, this morning, um, as we gather together, uh, even if it's virtually, um, God, I pray that you would unite all of us. I pray, God, that you would um, God, I pray you'd protect us. Uh, Lord, we're just such in a time of uncertainty. And uh, God, many of us are anxious, many of us are fearful, many of us are inconvenienced by the fact that uh, we have to stay home. We can't go to work. We can't see loved ones. But God, I just pray right now during this time, as we sit in your word, that, that God, you would just focus our hearts on what is true and what is right and what our souls need. Fill us up during this time. God, I, I pray specifically that if there's anyone, Lord, who is tuning into this live stream, who doesn't know you, that that God, through this time, as we teach your word, that, that your spirit would reveal yourself to them and that God, they would, they would see who you are for the first time and come to faith in you. God, we pray for that. We pray that God, you would use this unique time where uh, churches can't gather, but we can use technology in order to preach your word, that Lord, you would use this time to bring many, many, many people into faith in you, Lord, who otherwise may have never uh, darken the door of a church. And so we trust you for that, God. Be with us now as we get into your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, this morning, um, as we jump into our second week of live streaming and, and not gathering together, uh, what we're going to do is we're actually going to press pause on the sermon series that we've been in for a while as we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to uh, pivot to a different sermon series uh, while we're doing this live stream, so we don't know how long that will be, uh, but this sermon series is going to be called Reconsider. Uh, Because I believe that our world is walking through a season right now where many people are going to be open to reconsidering what they believe about God. And the truth is, is that, is that when you look at the data, uh, when it comes to the Western world, at least, religion and Christianity, it seems like it's on a decline. L- less and less people are indicating that religion or, or Christianity is important to them. And part of the reason for that uh, is because the younger generations, as they grow older, uh, what's going on is they're asking questions that not many people are answering. And so we see more and more people in the younger generations growing up really with no sort of view of God, growing up thinking that there's no reason to believe or have faith in God. And I believe that this is an opportunity while our world is walking through a crisis and while we are in a season of of needing to live stream our worship service where we can try and intentionally answer some of those questions that many people have that might prevent them from engaging with God or engaging with the church or or even considering having some sort of faith in God. Uh, As you know, uh, the past 10 days really have been really intense. Uh, our, our country's response to this COVID-19 outbreak, I feel like it went from this skeptical crawl to panic level very, very quickly. And we're all trying to figure out uh, what's the best way to navigate this crisis. And so now social distancing is a new norm. States are starting to do full lockdowns. Schools are closed. People are isolated in their homes. The markets are plunging. People are losing jobs. And of course, we have this virus that is spreading. And there's a lot of conflicting reports on how bad this virus is and mortality rates. And and what's really eerie and unique about this season that we're in, this crisis that we're navigating, is that it, it truly is global. Uh, the last I saw, it looked like, I think the last I saw about 186 of 195 countries in the world have confirmed cases of COVID-19. And so many of us, I know I have friends that live in other parts of the world and I've heard from them and they're going through the exact same things that we are going through when it comes to social distancing or curfews at night and businesses shutting down and their economies are being rattled. And so at this point, it's, it's March 22nd. Uh, we really have no idea how long this is going to last. Uh, it could be a few more weeks. It could be several more months. And I don't know about you, but the idea of this going on for several more months, that's, that's scary. 
It truly is a time where most everything that we build our lives upon and have come to expect in our lives, in the Western world at least, things like money and our health and a successful career and freedom and the ability to start and to run your own business and chase your passion, all of those things seem to be threatened. And and it feels like all of a sudden, all of those things have gotten a little fragile in just a matter of days. I mean, less than two weeks ago, we were all making plans for the summer, plans for spring break. Our kids were in school, business plans, church plans, and now everything is up in the air. If anything, this season has been a reminder to all of us how quickly Everything in our lives can get upended overnight. And so as we begin this new sermon series where we are praying that that many people will be open during these times uh, to reconsidering what they believe about God, I want to talk about one of the top reasons that I hear from other people, one of the top assumptions about religion and faith that I hear from other people that really prevents them from even considering the idea that there is a God and that we could have a relationship uh, with that God. All right, and so this is what I wanna tackle today. So what I'm gonna do is I'm, I'm actually gonna show you some data behind this particular reason um, that we're gonna talk about today. And, and I think that you'll see when I show you this data, what we're experiencing today uh, might actually cause some people to reconsider uh, what they believe uh, about God. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna show you a chart, it should be popping up on your screen here, from Pew Research. Um, And and this chart shows you the relationship between the the levels of religiosity in a country and then that country's uh, GDP or GDP per uh, capita. So the chart that you're seeing there, this is from 20 data collected between 2011 and 2013. And if you look at the chart, the the y-axis of the chart, the, the vertical axis, this measures the percentage of people who, who say, in a particular country, who say that religion is important to them. And then the x-axis, the horizontal axis you see there, that's GDP per capita for that particular country. And so what you can see in this chart is, is a very clear, very significant relationship between the religi- religiosity of a country and how modernized and how wealthy that country is, right? And and obviously, except for the United States, this is outlier here on the chart. Obviously, the United States, we have the highest GDP per capita in the world, um, but we, we seem to be off the chart when it comes to religion. But what we're seeing is as these younger generations grow up, what we're seeing is that more and more and more people in our country are saying that religion is not as important to them. So we're seeing that dot that represents the United States drop a bit and get more in line with the pattern of the rest of the world. But what we also know uh, from this data is that there does seem to be this relationship between how wealthy a country is, how modernized a country is, and its religiosity. All right, so, so what conclusions should we draw from this data? Uh, 
Well, to be honest, many people look at data like this and pretty much see it as strong proof that religion and spirituality is just a human invention and not an ontological reality. The more modernized and the more wealthy, the more scientific, the more advanced a country becomes, the less religious that country is because, to put it bluntly, they know better. That, that they believe that religion, belief in God, faith in God, spirituality, th- these things are just fairy tales. They're kind of designed as coping mechanisms for societies who, who suffer a lot with things like poverty or, or don't have access to a more modernized society, right? By following a religion, what you're doing, these people would say, is you're, you're introducing yourself a bit of control. You're finding a way that you can have answers to the big questions of life because you're in a society that doesn't allow you to find those answers anywhere else. And so it's a way of bringing some solace, some order to a very chaotic world. But for modernized, sophisticated, and wealthy societies that have access to technology, religion is foolish because we know better. They believe that religion is anti-intellectual. And the more self-sufficient a society becomes, the less need that society has for the divine. And many people look at data like this and predict that eventually religion will disappear in the world as countries become more and more sophisticated and modernized, that that we'll look back on religion like a primitive artifact of our culture and not an actual reality. If we were to put it bluntly, there are people who say when they look at this data that religion is just a crutch for weak people for uneducated people, for poor people in the world. And for many, this is an assumption that stands in the way of them truly considering if there is a God or not. In the midst of living in a country that's so wealthy and we have access to so much technology and and modernized society, in the midst of enjoying all of those things, benefiting from all those things, what happens is you you feel good. You, You don't feel a need for God. There's places that we can get answers. We can look to other things to get answers. And so why why do I need God? And maybe this is something that, that you wrestle with. Maybe this is a big question for you. And, and you often think about this very question, that, that all religion is, is a, a human invention to try and cope with life. But I wonder if the current circumstances that we're walking through as an entire world serves as a critique of that conclusion from the data. Uh, Does this current global pandemic that we're walking through provide a context where we realize that uh, we're not as self-sufficient as we think? And that the things that we have built our life upon are, are more fragile, they're more shallow than we originally thought. Is it possible that it's not faith in God that is a crutch, but it's this illusion of security and sophistication that serves as a crutch for those who don't want to face their own weaknesses and 
mortality. Is it possible that the poor and the lowly and the outcasts of our world have more of a grip on reality than the rich and the prosperous? And so what I want to do is I want to show you what Jesus had to say about this. And so we're going to read a scripture from Matthew chapter seven. And and honestly, this is a teaching from Jesus that I, I think even if you're not a Christian or you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, this is probably a teaching you have heard before because it's very uh, popular. But let's look at what Jesus had to say. So I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 to 27. This is what Jesus says. He says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So what Jesus is saying here, uh, it's very plain, actually, what he's saying here, is that when you build your life upon his word, when you build your life on the, on the fact that Jesus himself is God, he is our creator, he is the one who saves us, it is like building your life upon a rock, and obviously, if you build your life on anything else other than the word of Christ, then it is like you build your life on sand. Now, what is the difference between building your house or building your life upon a rock versus building your house or building your life uh, upon sand? Um, so last summer, all right, uh, my, my family and I, we go to the beach every single year. We're big beach people. We love the beach. So last summer I'm at the beach and this year was the first year that I decided to purchase one of those 10 foot by 10 foot tents um, so the whole family could gather under the shade. Because normally what I would do is I would grab three to four of those umbrellas and, and screw them into the sand and line them up. And I was tired of doing that. So this year I, I, I bought one of those big tents and took it to the beach. Now, it worked great for most of the week because it wasn't windy. But the last day that we were at the beach, it was really windy that day uh, on the beach. And the way that we anchored this tent to the ground was by hammering those small silver stakes into sand. All right, so on days where it's not windy, it worked just fine. But I was a little bit nervous on this last day on the beach that, that the tent was gonna get carried by the wind and I didn't really trust those stakes in the sand. So what I decided to do was I decided to tie a rope uh, from the tent to my beach chair uh, as I sat in it, just as kind of an extra layer of security for the tent. And so it was later in the day and I was still out on the beach and my son, he was out on the beach playing in the sand with his trucks. And I think my dad was out there as well and we're sitting there, I'm enjoying a beverage and just it's the end of the day. We're about to, to wrap it up and, 
and pack it up and, and go back to the beach house. And all of a sudden, this huge gust of wind comes, picks up the beach tent, picks up my beach chair with my 200 pound self inside of it and starts to drag us across the sand. And luckily I was able to grab that rope that I had tied to it and stop the tent from blowing down the beach. Uh, but uh, it blew so hard that it gave me uh, rope burns on my hands. My dad had to run over and help me wrestle the tent out of the wind. And the steel legs of the tent got bent as it was blown across the beach. But, but th the wind was so strong, it picked everything up. And, and so here's the takeaway. Obviously, next time I go to the beach with this tent, if it still works, I need to look at it. Um, I'm going to need to figure out a way to anchor that tent to the ground um, that does not include anchoring it into the sand. I'm going to probably have to do something to make sure the tent is heavy enough so that the wind can't blow it away. Because sand is not going to hold anything to the ground during a storm. And isn't that the whole point? Sand is only useful when there is no storm. But if a storm comes, whatever you have that is anchored to the sand, it has to be heavy enough. It has to be strong enough to, with, to, um, to battle the storm all on its own or it's going to blow away. The sand itself is not going to add any strength or protection or hold it to the ground. See, the difference between building something on sand and building something on a rock is basically this idea that if the, the rock itself provides the strength that you need to weather the storm, right? So if I took my beach tent and I anchored it to bolts that were drilled into the bedrock of the earth, would I need to worry about the wind next time around? Would I need to worry that my tent is going to get blown away? Of course not, because it's not that the tent is strong enough. It's not that the tent is heavy enough to weather the wind and to weather the storm, but the bedrock of the earth is absolutely strong enough to weather that storm. And when you build upon the sand, you have to be strong enough all by yourself to withstand the storm. But when you build upon a rock, you're secured by something that is not just stronger than you are, but it's also stronger than the storm itself. Now, notice in the text that Jesus assumes that everyone, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you believe, it assumes that everyone in life is going to face storms. Strong storms, hard storms, storms that will bring suffering and pain in your life. He doesn't exempt people who have tons of faith from storms. He doesn't exempt people who are prosperous from storms. Everyone will face bad storms in their life. But what Jesus wants us to consider is if we believe that we have what it takes to face those storms on our own, or if we have secured ourselves to a rock that will hold us down during those storms. And when we consider that chart that we just looked at, all that data, 
That shows that the more modernized we are, the more wealthy that we are, the, the less that we feel any sort of need of God. It, it makes complete sense according to what the Bible says. Of course, the, the wealthier we are, the more modernized we are, the more advanced we are in our knowledge and our communications and technology and, and in medicine and science. Of course, as we advance in those things, we are going to begin to believe that we as humanity are strong enough within ourselves to withstand the storms. The more we're going to believe that we don't need God. Or this is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, 19, verse 24, he says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, think of a sewing needle, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Is Jesus saying that it's wrong to be rich? No, he's just saying that rich people really like to build stuff on sand. And they like to trust in themselves and in their wealth rather than God. Is it wrong to innovate and discover and advance in medicine and technology and science and all those things? No, it's not wrong. In fact, God commands us to do those things. But if it causes us to believe that we are strong enough on our own, if it causes us to build our life on sand, well, now we're creating a problem. Friends, it, it feels as if we are in the middle or we're on the brink of a big storm right now. now this COVID-19 outbreak could, could begin to decline in the next few weeks. And, and maybe it's not as bad, at least in the United States, as, as we're fearing. And, and man, we're praying for that. Or it could continue to get worse. Many people could get sick. Many people could die. The economy could continue to hemorrhage and businesses continue to close and people losing jobs and people continuing to be isolated and relationship suffering and depression and anxiety skyrocketing. And this could go on for a long time. This could be a, a really big storm. We don't know. One of those storms where we discover if we're anchored in sand or if we're anchored on a rock. One of those storms where we realize that the things that we have built our life upon are more fragile and more shallow than we thought. I mean, think about it. What, what, what happens if, if all of your retirement gets wiped out? It's gone. Everything you worked for. Uh, or if you lose your job and you have to default on the mortgage in your house and your credit tanks, what happens? Or if a loved one gets infected, or if you lose your own health in all of this, right? None of those things are guaranteed to us. Our wealth, our health, any, none of that is guaranteed to us. All of them, all of those things could get knocked out in one gust of wind. What will be the gust of wind that will knock everything down because you have lost the thing that you have placed all of your comfort and all of your peace in? Because as Jesus said in, in, in chapter seven, verse 27, that we read earlier, he said that when that storm comes, if you're anchored in sand, great will be that fall. It will be devastating because you thought you were strong enough but you were no match for that storm. 
here is the question that I set out to answer this morning. And that was this. We, we set out to answer this question. Is faith in God just a crutch for weak people? And the answer is yes, it is. Absolutely. We are not strong enough to withstand all the different kinds of storms that are going to come our way. We are not strong enough to stand up to, to COVID-19 on top of all the other storms that we're dealing with. This world is a fallen place and we are fallen people who need help. We need God to help us. We need a rock to anchor our lives to, or we're going to fall and get blown away. And all of our prosperity and all of our innovation, as good as those things are, serve as just an illusion that we're secure and that we don't need God. But friend, you need God. You need God and your soul knows it. Your soul deep down knows that this world is, is not the way that it ought to be. But there's this rift between us and God because there's something inside of us that, that says, I don't want God. I don't need God. I, I want to be on my own. I want to be self-sufficient. And we try to convince ourselves that we're strong enough to deal with the storms of life and that we don't need God, but the storm is coming and it might be here. And no matter what we experience in life, no matter what happens with this COVID-19 pandemic, the, the one storm that we are all going to face, guaranteed, is that, is that one day we're going to come face to face with our creator at the end of this life. And at that moment, your wealth, your career, your accomplishments, all of that sand, it will mean nothing at that moment. It will have no value and the one thing that will matter in that moment is if you're anchored to the rock or not. And that's why Jesus came to us to help us to be our rock, to, to live a life of righteousness, to die in our place on the cross, to forgive us of our sins, to defeat death through his resurrection so that every one of us who had faith in him, it would be like we're anchoring our life to the bedrock and can never be moved. Because when you anchor yourself to Jesus and you follow him and you trust in what he did to forgive you of your sin, your life is now given eternal security along with meaning and purpose that no storm on this planet could ever threaten or touch. Anchoring yourself to Jesus is not an expression of your religious chops. It is an act of humility as you recognize, God, I am not strong enough. And God, I do need you. And I have sinned against you by walking away, but I need you and I need forgiveness. Because I can't do this on my own. And that doesn't mean that you won't face storms or hard times in life. But it does mean that your life is now anchored to the rock. And even though you may suffer, your life and your purpose 
can never be taken, right? Imagine a life like this with me. Just imagine, imagine a life where your money, your success, your career, your retirement, your plans, your relationships, all of those things, they don't have any say on your joy or your peace or your contentment. They they aren't the things that you're anchoring your life into so that you can withstand storms. No, actually what they are are blessings in your life that you can use to glorify God and to serve others because your life is anchored into something way stronger than any of those things. And you realize that any of those things could be taken from you in an instant, but your joy and your peace and your contentment could never be taken away because they're not anchored in that sand. It's anchored in the rock. Immovable even when the storms come because you have been reconciled to and secured by your creator. That can begin for you today. If you don't know Jesus, maybe today's the day that you reconsider if he's there. Maybe today's the day that you begin to explore what his word actually says. Maybe today's the day that you cry out to him and say, God, I can't do it on my own and I, and I need you. And, and what we would love to do for you as a church is we would love to walk you through that. And so uh, reach out to us. If you're in that place, uh, you can reach out to us. You go to our website, gracehillchurch.com. You'll see a connect button right in front of you. Uh, submit a form. I'm gonna receive that and I'll reach out to you. We would love to walk you through this as a church. But this is a truth that those of us who do believe in Jesus, we need to be reminded of this truth this morning. There are some of us that, that need to be encouraged by this truth. And there are some of us that need to be challenged by it. And I, and I think most of us, it's probably a little bit of both. Right? I know there are many of you who are scared and, and anxious in the middle of this storm. Right? Even though we are anchored to the rock, that wind and that rain, it stings and it's hard. And you are anxious about uh, your, your financial stability. You are anxious about your health. You are anxious about your loved ones. And listen, listen to me here. Anxiety is not proof that you're not anchored to the rock. Anxiety is not proof that you really don't trust in Jesus or you really don't have faith in him. Anxiety is proof that you need Jesus. It's proof that you need that rock because if we weren't anchored to that rock, man, we would fall away so quick. And so if you're in Christ and you're just dealing with anxiety this morning, the truth that you need to be encouraged by this morning is that you are not holding on to Christ the rock, but Christ the rock is holding on to you. And he's not going to let go of you, even though you feel anxious. God does not expect you to be stronger than the storm. He wants you to rest in the fact that he is stronger than this storm. And that your life is wrapped up into the life of Christ and it will never be taken away from you. Even if you do suffer greatly during these days. And so in the midst of your anxiety, what you need to do is you need to rely on others and not isolate yourself. You need people to speak this truth over you. And you need to cry out these anxieties to God who cares for you and is listening because he's holding on to you. 
And so express your anxiety to God and also express your anxiety to your brothers and sisters in the church because they wanna care for you and they wanna remind you that Christ is holding on to you and he will not let you go. Allow your church family to minister the comfort of God to your soul during this time. Do not isolate. During this storm, isolation will allow anxiety to have way too much freedom within your soul. It will. And with this whole social distancing thing, it's gonna be really easy to isolate. It's gonna be really easy to make an excuse for yourself, but it is bad for your soul. So reach out to your church. Let them care for you. Let them help you during this time because anxiety is not something to be ashamed of. We all need Jesus just the same to be anchored to that rock. But I also wanna give a gentle challenge to, to those of us who we, we trust in Christ, we're anchored to the rock and, and we're actually not experiencing that much anxiety during this storm and during this season. Maybe actually what we're feeling is more annoyance at the inconvenience of the season or maybe some disregard to the anxieties of others. Being someone who is eternally secure in Christ, who is anchored to the rock, look at me, it, it comes with a responsibility. Here's how the apostle Paul put it. This is 2 Corinthians chapter four, uh, 1, verses 4. Paul said it this way. He said, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You have brothers and sisters in the church who are scared and they're anxious and they need you. They need you to be intentional. They need you to reach out. They need you to speak truth over them. They need you to help them not to isolate. You have neighbors and coworkers and family who's struggling with the same exact thing. They, they need you during this time. And the security and the contentment that the Lord has given us, listen, it's not just for us. It's for them too. And as a follower of Jesus, you are anchored to the rock, right? Your life and your peace, they are secure. And so therefore God has given you a ministry of comfort to those around you, right? Here's the image that I want you to see yourself as, um, as when it comes to this ministry of comfort, right? If you ever go rock climbing, all right? Think of this idea of rock climbing. Many times what you'll do is you'll set up a belay. Okay, so if someone's climbing up a rock face, what you'll do is you'll have an anchor point for the rope at the top of the rock face. The climber is attached to that rope. And then you have a person who's belaying the climber and that rope is also attached to them. And it's the whole design that if the climber falls, you're able to catch them. But many times, if the climber is heavier than you are, then what it's wise to do is to anchor yourself as the one who's doing the belay to the ground beneath you. So if that climber falls, you're anchored to the bedrock of the earth. So you're not gonna get lifted up and you're gonna be able to hold this person and keep them from falling. And as a follower of Jesus, you are anchored to the bedrock, which means no storm can take you down. 
Jesus is holding on to you. And that means that as followers of Jesus, we can trust that he's holding on to us. He knows what's best for us and that he's going to secure our life and our joy. So we don't need to worry about ourselves. We're good. We're anchored down. And what we can begin to do is focus on others, making sure others don't fall, making sure that we've got them. And as this storm rages around us during this season, God is mobilizing his church as people anchored to the rock to care for the hurting and the anxious of this world. And so Christian, look at me, your calling during this season, it's not to batten down the hatches. It's not to hunker down and weather the storm. You're anchored. You're good. God is sovereign. You're secure. He will not let you go. The storm is going to sting. Jesus doesn't guarantee that your portfolio is going to be good or your job is secure or your peace won't be shaken or your health won't be shaken, but he does guarantee that your joy and your contentment and his purpose for your life and what he has guaranteed you for eternal life, all of that is completely secure. And so the question that we need to be asking is, what does it look like for you to stand tall, secure in Christ as a minister of comfort to those around you? Because church, that's what we're called to do. We don't live for this life. We don't live for our portfolios. We live as ambassadors of Christ in a world that is hurting and is scared. And so let's trust in the fact that we are anchored to the rock. And let's look up to our left and to our right. Let's see the people around us and let's be a minister of comfort to those around us. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna end our time in, in prayer, but I wanna pray in three different ways. I wanna pray for those of you who don't know Jesus and that through this season, you'll bow your knees and you will cry out to him and ask him to save you. And for those of you who know Jesus, but you're just scared, and this is just a really hard time for you, I just wanna pray that you'd be encouraged and that you would, be, uh, uh, you would feel the security that you have in Jesus and that he's holding on to you. And for those of us who do know Christ, I also wanna pray that we will be ministers of comfort to those around us and take the calling that God has given us seriously. Let me pray for all of us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and we praise you that, God, you don't expect us to be stronger than the storms. No, you are stronger and you have made a way that we can be anchored to you, the rock, through Jesus. And so God, I pray for those who are listening or tuning in that, that don't know you, that God, right now, in this moment, your spirit would call them to faith and that they would have a moment where they get to their knees and they cry out to you and say, God, I, I am not stronger than the storm and I need you. And God, I pray that your tender mercy would meet them in that moment and that you would use us to disciple them into faith in you. God, I pray for the anxious and the hurting and the scared that Lord, you would comfort them. That Lord, they would trust that you have them. They're anchored to you. And that, Lord, you are going to allow anything that occurs in their life to, to be for their ultimate good because you're sovereign and you give us that promise. And God, I pray for the whole church that we would trust in the fact that you have us. 
we look up to our left and right to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our family, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we would embrace this call that you have given us to be ministers of comfort. We love you, God. Thank you for sustaining us. We pray that you would continue to sustain us. And we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.